Global markets are bracing for more volatility as the world moves closer to war. Obviously, we hope that the world is not, in fact, moving closer to war, but we do have some context for what's happened in situations like this in the past. We also have yields continuing to show strong, gold being strong, bonds refusing to drop. A lot is going on in markets. Luckily, I have James Lavish, Mike McGlone, and Dave Weisberger here to help us unpack everything that makes for a good Macro Monday. You guys don't want to miss this. Let's go. Let's go. What is up, everybody? I'm Scott Melker, also known as the Wolf of All Streets. Before we get started, please subscribe to the channel and hit that like button. Going to go ahead and bring up Dave, James, and Mike so we can get this show going because I know we have a lot of talk to talk about. James, first, I've shown you this story. U.S. Treasury debt dynamics, very unfavorable, IMF official says. Now, this was five days ago, but it's been dominating my timeline in quick sort of like one sentence, oh, by the way, the IMF says that United States debt is unsustainable. Usually this is the IMF talking about El Salvador, Argentina, you know, <laughs> Lebanon. Yeah. I don't think I can remember a time when the IMF had the balls to come out and <laughs> criticize the United States. What do you make of this? Uh, it's kind of funny. They said this before Moody's, right? So um, it, it's the the debt problem has gotten so severe and it's we have piled on so much in the last few weeks that it, it can't be ignored anymore and i don't i i can't for the life of me mike and, and you and i were talking about this really quickly before the show i can't for the life of me come up with a reason for the imf to say that that that's beneficial to them i just I, i'm what, all i can think of is it's so obvious now that they have to say it and hopefully i think you know, and I and I wrote all about this this weekend and the information is about the bond vigilant, but uh, the bond vigilantes. So, but uh, I think that you've got the world trying to talk the treasury or really Congress into being fiscally responsible, and I don't I don't see that happening. But uh, you know, that is so unlikely. But they're pulling all out all the stops is is all I can imagine. So, We're adding a trillion in debt every forty five days right now. So, it's, yeah, we win. Yay. Is that a win? I think that's not a win. So, but it's, but it's crazy in, a, in an environment of tight uh, monetary policy. Right? Yeah. I mean, I think, did we talk about this last week? It, it, we have, we had piled on over $500 billion of debt in just over two weeks. And then, we, and then you flash forward just three days later, it's another $50 billion. I mean, it's, it's crazy. It, it's, it's, it's insanity. And so term premiums are up. And uh, and that's why you're seeing the this uh, the steepening of the yield curve. It's not it's not because people think, oh, the Fed's going to hold rates higher for longer. It's because people want to be investors need to be uh, compensated for what they expect to be a massive amount of debt that's coming out of the market. And the IMF saying this is just astounding. I mean, yeah, like like Mike said, we who do you think funds the IMF? Right. <laughs> Yeah. Thank you. Mike, for the money. The the there. Who yeah. funds the IMF, Mike? You know, the United States government's the biggest, <laughs> the biggest. And where's all this base? Mostly New York, U.S. Yeah. So, but so, uh, like, right? I mean, James unpacked it well. But the very fact that the IMF, that is effectively, and we lost Mike. 
Scott. I'm here. I think we lost Scott. Yeah. Yeah. You hear me, right? Yeah, I hear you guys. Go, Dave. It looks like you're ready. Yeah. So what were you going to say, Dave? Well, what I was going to say is if you think it's an accident that over the last few days that Paul Krugman declared victory over inflation in one of the funniest tweets I've ever seen, only to be surpassed this morning. Uh, Oh, my God. That's. Yeah, we Uh, our our, our readers haven't our our viewers haven't seen it. Stephanie Kelton comes out this morning and says no priority ever goes unfunded. If the votes are there, the money is there. True for defense, true for Medicare, true for Social Security. And this was a requote of uh, of Janet Yellen saying we can certainly afford two wars, U.S. Treasury Secretary says, if only Congress Mm -hmm. could get their act together. So essentially what you have is, and you also had, uh, what's his name? You had at least one Republican senator saying similar things. Yeah, I saw the Yellen quote. We could, we can afford both war, two wars. Two wars. Yeah, Yellen was like, two wars, why not three? Make it five. We can afford as many wars as you guys got. understand the context, Stephanie Kelton is the godmother of modern monetary theory, which holds that we can print whatever we want. We export our IOUs and people love them and they'll always love them. And that's a little harsh of a way of expressing it, but it's more or less the same thing. People thought that that was discredited because in the goal in the in after the pandemic, you know, consumer inflation went up, but they've learned their lesson. They know they want asset inflation, not consumer inflation. Let's ki- let's let's screw the proletariat and the peasants and let's just have asset inflation again, because that's what everybody wants. And, it, you know, let's just print our way out of all this. Now, the, that is that is the reality of the mindset of the people who are running this country. Let make no mistake. If anyone believes that Krugman isn't, you know, taking marching orders or that Stephanie Kelton isn't talking with the Elizabeth Warren, you know, staffed uh, people throughout financial services and Treasury uh, and the Treasury Secretary aren't all in concert here. Oh, by the way, last week we had, what, six Fed governors say that we don't need to raise interest rates because long rates are doing it for us. You add all this. This is not like a, you know, I don't feel like this is the Da Vinci Code we're cracking here, guys. I mean, this is a very, very clear policy attempt. Now, they may not succeed. I mean, consumer inflation might very well increase because, of course, at the same time they're doing this, they're also cheering on labor unions, to try, which will, of course, result in wage push inflation. But the truth of the matter is they this is their only way out. Uh, and, you know, I don't really see an alternative. I mean, you know, I've said this before, James and I both tweeted about this last week. There's only two options, uh, and this administration is going to pick one. The two options are inflation, at least in the sense of inflating away debt, being able to pay it in nominal terms, and or two, a massive wave of deregulation to improve GDP. Uh, we know that's what at least the previous president wanted to try to accomplish. And uh, we know that there are others who say they can accomplish it. But the truth of the matter is, it's unlikely either administration could. And this one for certain is not going to do that because they have a record number of lines in the Federal Register going in. And, and you know, Comrade Warren wants to have, uh, uh, wants to basically the government to control everything. And we've seen, yeah. you know, we have only 5,000 years of, of human recorded history where government controlled economies don't work. So I assume she knows better than all of them. But yeah. the fact can is, you remember you a time that we were doing more, yeah, can you remember a time when we were going more definitively in the opposite direction of reducing regu- of deregulation in history? No. <laughs> So uh, look at Gary Gensler. Does he seem uh, does he seem scared to overregulate? No. Uh, 
certainly not. But look, at the end of the day, the, the only model, it used to be we held up Japan as the model for what not to do. Internally in the administration, they're holding up the model of what they need to do, of, of getting rates to be low and keeping, you know, consumer, you know, reported inflation as low as possible and, you know, effectively just not caring about debt to GDP. That's, that's, the, that's the Japanese miracle they're probably talking about inside. And in all of this, you need to realize that sound money is going to do well. So whether whether Bitcoin starts to gain more adoption as a result of this, I think the answer is yes. I think distrust in institutions is very high, yada, yada. We've talked about that many times. Uh, gold is certainly going to be one of the primary beneficiaries uh, as this goes on. The The real question is what happens, right? You know, this is not, this is the recipe for stagflation in a normal economy, but who knows, you know, manipulated economies do weird things. Okay, rant over. Go, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. So let's let's narrow this down to some specifics. The average price of gold this year is around nineteen hundred and thirty dollars an ounce. It's the highest ever. Now we're hovering around there. We bumped up near there this weekend. It's trading nineteen twenty at the moment. It got down really low. I think it's classic examples. Someone like me would have been, you know, if I was aggressively long with clients, I would have been stopped out. And then you go back up. And we kind of did the same thing with bond yields. The thirty-year yield peaked around five percent. I think we. Had a pretty significant capitulation bump in yields, and it looks like that's all starting to roll over um, in terms of um, markets. And one thing I really enjoy reading a lot of this, these statements, clickbait statements, $150 crude oil. And if you look at crude oil average price this year, which we're kind of heading towards right now, is right around $77 a barrel. Last year, most people said, oh, I was supposed to have a one in front of it. Oops. Okay, so I haven't been completely right on crude oil, but if crude oil does pump, that's guarantee we're going to have a global recession. Now, we're already tilting that way. So it's a key thing to remember about, I think, what's happening in terms of stuff I watch is clear recessionary tilt, industrial metals down almost 15% on the year. Um, Gold is one of the best performers on a one-year one basis, up about 16%. It's just a matter of time it breaks out. Questions what stops it. And I think one thing that's really been important, I'll add to the, this meeting from our morning meeting this morning, is our chief economist pointed out the fiscal deficit is you know, obviously way, way larger than most people thought, running 6% of GDP, highest ever, in a non-war, non-recession. Okay, we know that's bad, we pointed out. And then one thing I was surprised was our um, our um, equity strategist Gina Martin-Adams focused on something I never heard her focus on before. Rising taxes are a real threat to earnings. So, man, what good way, best way to, to mess up this epic stock market rally that's so overdue is the government messing it up. <laughs> Too much deficit, got to pay it off with taxes, and at some point messing it all up. So I think I'm so impressed now this morning to see it's nice to see Bitcoin bumping up around that 2800 level. I want that whole scenario to play out eventually sound money um but it kind of needs to show divergent strength versus the stock market so i just kind of uh, and it's been showing weakness for a while so i, I pulled up some of my old bits first time bitcoin reached thirty thousand this year was when ethereum was bumped up around two grand right around april and the stock market's up you know what nasdaq's gone from essentially fifth 1300 to 1500 it's just not good i mean yeah you got at, by the way ETH is at 1585 now right if you, if yeah, you want to have an idea of how poorly uh ETH and altcoins are generally performing against bitcoin at the moment uh that's all you need to know right as you said bitcoin yeah. at uh every time uh bitcoin kind of gets back to these same levels you can put a marker on ETH and it's been lower right so that's well, the scenario. I mean, yeah. well, just Sorry, make sure i was just gonna scenario. say that is the scenario yeah 
Well, the, the, what's happening right now, though, is I, I'm, I think at some point we're going to get there. But I think it's going to be similar to what happened in like 1933. That's when the government basically, you know, um, confiscated gold to basically debase the currency versus gold and that bottomed everything, bottomed deflation and bottomed the stock market and poof, everything was fine um, because we're heading towards a recession. Now, question is how bad it is. And here's a key thing I like to point out is the thing I like to point on every month is these Fed fund futures. You look at the WRP function in the terminal and for the first time for the November meeting, they're basically taking out tightening almost completely. That rate right now at 5.335% is the lowest since June. That's when Fed funds are pricing and they're still 541 for December, but our economist Anna Wong says if that GDP number comes out strong next next um, week. The Fed's going to tighten. To me, that's where we're at in the st stage right now. It's the only thing that's hanging. The cryptos have shown the weakness. Industrial metals are showing the weakness. We have this spike in bond yields, which is not because there's going to be expect demand pull and loan demand. It's because of the, the, the fiscal problem. It's the key thing that's holding everything up right now is the stock market. If that stays buoyant, that would be wonderful. But to me, that's the shoe that's supposed to drop. And so far, it's not. And we're entering earnings season. There you go. <laughs> I don't know if you notice, um, Mike, but um, I saw one of the articles this morning in Bloomberg, and, and the the downgrades have overtaken the upgrades pretty significantly yeah. here. So, you know, um, analysts are starting to realize this is this is going to uh, this is going to weigh on stocks, and so eventually. But I, going back to the Bitcoin thing, look, this morning it's kind of a, a risk on trade again right so unfortunately I, I as much as i want bitcoin uh the the thesis to play out it hasn't yet it, it it's not playing out yet um what we think it ought to do is not really happening and so gold is down bitcoin is up um i haven't seen the yields yet but uh the futures are down or the futures are up i mean it just it just plays to a, a risk on trade again people thinking that the 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 t tensions out in um you know out in the middle east are are kind of um they're not boiling over yet so there's some optimism there uh and so that's the trade we're seeing this morning but interestingly enough the other thing that's been up is uh the swiss franc is is held pretty strong and so I that's should ask about that yeah. which is a huge hedge right the it's not the yen anymore. They, people are not fleeing to the yen for safety. They're, you know, um, they'll go to the Swiss franc. And it's interesting because you'll that that would be the safety valve there in Europe, uh, where where so much of this will play out on the energy side. Well, yeah, I see this Bitcoin move really quickly. And to me, it's I mean, this is just a whole lot of more sideways chop, right? I love to see it. But I mean, look how many times it's been rejected just at the 200 MA on the daily, right? So this to me just looks like a technical short squeeze until proven otherwise. I hope they prove me otherwise. And to your point on stocks, big tech's profit machine is propping up S&P 500 earnings, right? If you look at anything but big tech, everything is getting downgrades. We're seeing increased bankruptcies and in small businesses. I mean, Nothing looks good except for Apple, Meta, you know, uh, Nvidia, and and the other huge companies. So, can that sustain? I mean, is that possible? Well, what looks good, looks great. Is that two-note yield five point zero seven? You clunk down your Ben Franklin a hundred bucks, in two years you're going to get a Ben Franklin and an Alexander Hamilton, guaranteed. $110. I mean, it's just, that's a giant sucking sound. I, and I look at, you mentioned yeah. the yen is, I remember, I don't know how many times for years people said, well, the, when the yen collapses, it's over. What's well, collapsing? It's bumping up against this 150 level. 
and every time it goes there, they intervene. Well, they only last so long. It's bumping up again. You know, that's cheaper yen. And you look at the uh, Chinese yuan. I mean, it's bumping up against the 730 level. The last time we had this disparity in short-term rates between the U.S. and China, which was 2006, it was like 300 base points between us. The, the uh, yuan was eight, eight um, to the dollar. That's a giant wrecking ball, just like crude oil pumping, but this and two different dollar problems. strength. Right. Two different problems. So you've got China just doesn't have demand. And then yeah. you, you, Japan, it, it, it's relentless zero interest rate policy and yield curve control. Relentless. And and so yeah. money is going to flee to seek yield. Like you just said, it's going to seek yield and they can't get it there. So the the people are selling yen. Of course, there's a reversal of that, that hedge fund short trade. And that's kind of uh, stabilizing it here along with... Uh, you know, the Bank of Japan, but it, it can only hold so long until it, it goes back up to the 170 level. And then it'll go, you know, it's gravitating toward that. It's over 150. That's that's a natural price is well over 150. But yeah. it's just quickly, how long are they going to stand there? Quickly, right? can one of you just uh, give us the context on why the yen is viewed as such a benchmark for what's happening? Carry trade. Like, I mean, you, yeah. No, it's, the carry, it's the carry trade. Two words, so, right? Days yeah, over. <laughs> I mean, effectively, for those for those who don't understand, what happens is uh, you can, if you look, you know, Japanese yields are way below U.S. yields. Um, you can borrow in Japan at ridiculously low rates. You take that money and you invest in two-year notes, whatever. It doesn't matter. And you lever it up a bajillion times, uh, which means that, that as long as the currency is manipulated and it stays stable to the dollar, no problem currency loses that peg and then all those people who are levered up on those hedge funds go boom uh that's always been the the fear it actually it, the, the japanese carry trade unwinds have been behind a couple of the historic moves that we've seen james can go through that but it's it's basically everyone needs to understand that the cause the, the most important thing for for people to understand how why you should care a little bit about trading is to understand economics to know that money is not free we always think of it as free. It is not free. So I don't care who you are as a hedge fund. You're borrowing money uh, via your prime brokers or doing whatever to lever up the assets you have under management. And so the carry trade where you borrow from low interest rate environments uh, and you then export that into buying yield of various ways uh, is there. If you read When Genius Failed, the, the, the LTCM crisis, that was a carry trade where people were buying and thinking that the spreads were, there was sort of a reverse carry trade, but it doesn't matter. It's like, you know, the fact is whenever, when you look at bond yields and you see the U.S. as the highest 10-year yield out of the developed world, you know, the U.K. being, you know, you know 20 basis points higher than the U.K., but all of them uh, basically almost 400 basis points, like 380 some odd basis points higher than Japan's 10-year yield that's going to cause stresses in the economy people are going to try to exploit that and you know it it's difficult J james i mean you, you know you understand the history but that carry trade is the reason why yeah. it's that way scott i mean to simplify it super simplified for people uh what you're saying is basically if you're if you're a japanese investor and uh you know you you're looking for yield that means that you need to sell whatever you have and and often it's uh japanese treasuries and you sell those to get yen to buy dollars and then turn around and buy u.s treasuries and then you hedge that out with futures and it be, it's called interest rate parity and so 
Um, and so you just see there's a, there's a strong correlation, very strong correlation between the spread of the 10 year yields and that and the movement of the currency. Right. So if you look at the 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 spread of the of the yen um, and the and the treasury, you'll see that as that spread widens, the yen will weaken and vice versa. And that's that's basically the trade we're talking about. And hedge funds do this where they will they'll make this trade and lever it up a bazillion times, like Dave said. We have to lever it up a bazillion dimes for Forex movements. That's why exactly. the 100X uh, leverage makes sense in Forex that you see naturally because the moves are so small. But then when you uh, carry that over to crypto where you have low liquidity and massive volatility, it doesn't work particularly well. And also, it should give you guys some context as to where these cash and carry trades in crypto and Bitcoin that absolutely wrecked the market came from. These you know, things are not unique to crypto. This was what people were doing with the GBTC discount. This is what people do with futures versus spot price to get that quote unquote free yield in between. And it works really well until GBTC is trading at a 50% discount. Can you can you show the screen yep. that I've got up now? All right. So this is the this is what I'm talking about. And you can see how that spread between the 10 year, the this uh this white line is a spread between the, the US 10 year and the Japanese 10 year. And as that moves, this the the yen the spread between the us dollar and the yen moves with it and this is it this is the yen getting weaker this blue line and this is the spread getting wider this white line and it's just that's that's the trade and you can see it's 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 clear that that's what's going on in the yen and so it's because the the japanese the bank of japan is holding their yields down because they want more inflation and so what they're doing is yield curve control they're keeping their rates low artificially while the U.S. rates are are climbing, and now we're seeing the ten-year in kind of in uh, um, the, it's it's in price discovery because of everything we talked about the fiscal policies, and and it's not because people think that the Fed's going to hold the higher for longer. It's because that's the ten-year is the benchmark of the world. The U.S. ten-year is the benchmark treasury of the world, and people are looking at it saying we need to be compensated more for the fiscal irresponsibility of Congress, period. And, and for the record, doesn't this then explain the confusion for people as to why the dollar, which is represented by DXY, which is the dollar versus other currencies, can continue to rise even if you think in this environment and money printing and all these things that the dollar should be getting crushed? Yeah, the, the, and in uh, in in Greg Foss's uh, terms, it's, it's the cleanest shirt in a, in a pile of dirty laundry, right? Yeah. So. I mean, it, it, think of it this way, Scott. If U.S. yields are higher than everybody else and yields are going up, um, you know, while yields are going up, the dollar will generally, you know, soften uh, as yield. You know, there, there's sort of an inverse relationship. But then at the end of the day, as yields, if yields are going to roll over, you would expect that rollover is going to be foreign buying. And that's why the dollar will go up. I mean, it's not 100% nearly as much as the, what, what James just said, but it is fairly obvious. Look, mm -hmm. it, the reason I started with my diatribe about the MMT crowd, and you know, I felt like they were getting close to Halloween. It's like sort of like you know, they're back. Uh, you know, th <laughs> that is th that's literally the the trade here. I mean, the reality is, if if you think about what the government has to do with this debt burden. You know, imagine a world where the U.S. becomes a manipulated market 
as opposed to perceived by the world as a free market. That's that's the imagination you have to ask yourself. The words bonds vigilantes is it's older than well, it, it's older than dirt. Basically, it's been a very long time. But the bond vigilantes featured prominently in the '87 crash, uh, featured prominently in in you know years prior. You know, it's been a very long time. And yeah, basically. 19- Hey, guys, I'm not trying to interrupt. I'm just for clarity. I'm seeing in the comments and now also trying to discuss. I think a Bitcoin spot ETF was just approved and Bitcoin is absolutely it's what big. market's pricing like it's trading like it is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> SEC approves 50, iShares yeah. Bitcoin spot ETF. This is coming right now from Cointelegraph. That sounds Whoa. like Dave's call. Wasn't that some of the um, day? Wasn't that your call, Dave? iShares. Yep. Yep. Black there, you Olivia, first. there you go. Breaking. SEC approves iShares Bitcoin spot ETF. Uh, I can't. I mean, it's Cointelegraph. Uh, so that's seemingly pretty reliable. I'm going to now tweet. Holy shit. Um, and uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, live on TV. Uh, so just, <laughs> I, I don't know what to say. We should be getting, obviously, this God candle. I'll still be surprised if it uh, surpasses 31. Well, well I mean, keep, keep in mind, that this is a very big deal, but it's a very big deal for money that isn't, it's not like, it's not like the demand shows up in, in a day. The demand is a groundswell. It's basically something that will happen. If you're positioning yourself short, you got to cover. So yeah, there will be a short covering rally, yeah. but it's not like people are going to walk in and just buy immediately. Here's no, the funny thing. I was just saying exactly. that this looked like a uh, you know a technical move, a short squeeze, but we had Bitcoin well, up that's, a few that's percent the, already that's on the, the day. Who knew? Who knew? Who, Who knew? Ca- Who cares about bonds? We've. I mean, we got this spot ETF. <laughs> I, I'm just gonna go ahead and tweet that everybody needs to watch this stream stream right now. <laughs> but I, guys, I what does this mean? Okay, this is. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. We okay. So now we can. Uh, erase all of this time of discussing how BlackRock was going to be first and it was manipulated and blah, 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 and 75%, you 90%. This is actually brilliant. It's brilliant for them to approve this first. They can't, so nobody yeah. can claim that BlackRock st- strong-armed them, right? Wait a minute. What, what you So you let the GBTC, uh, you know, you let that that appeal kind of... Um, Where's the actual story? I'm looking for it because BlackRock... I'm looking for it. I just see, I, I know, we're all trying to... We're over 29,000, guys. I mean, Bitcoin is going absolutely... But as yeah. I have to ask you, Mike, listen, first instinct, does this change anything for your base case on Bitcoin versus everything else? No, no, you can show my screen. I mean, it's it's showing a first sign of strength. It's it's This is widely expected. And, uh, in, and Dave's been all over it. It's a question of how much it can bounce and respond and it's i'm really worried it's going to do what crude oil did crude oil popped up at 95 right before the invasion and it peaked uh, you know by the rumor sell the fact and it wasn't really a rumor some someone sure know was happening so it would be wonderful if this is the case but i'm right now we know this is not real money flowing in this is speculators getting long on leverage and hopefully or, it works or, out. or 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 short coverage right but yeah. no that's the, yeah, i'm not talking about yeah. this move though i'm saying for the yeah. base case because you're saying this is just speculators speculating but the real money could come in now okay well we unless, know that unless I mean, our ba- unless our case that people actually care yeah, is wrong that, the idea has always been if a bitcoin spot etf gets approved uh so, rias will allow this to their clients now they can yeah, actually 30, get access institutions right 
Yeah, Remember? so that, that's been the quote in the space from people like Mike Novogratz for at least five, five years. So we get this. We I, This is, hopefully it's, it's real, but it's just one of those candlesticks I'd be careful buying first move up. You're always going to get dips to buy if it's true, but it's, the, you know, it's nothing new. And it's just, okay, fine, we got the fact. It, it's been rumors for years and finally just accelerated this year. So, uh, you know. I right, mean, I guess I, the, 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 yeah, go ahead. The, the point, Scott, is look, we, we saw a rally over 30 to 31 when BlackRock first came out, and that right. got faded. I don't know where the terminal price of this rally will be, but whenever it is, it will fade. The fact is it might fade from 40. Uh, it might fade from 31 again. Uh, the, the fact is, however, behind this, the patience of the people who have been buying and the, the statistics on long-term holding rates on chain are, are literally at an all-time high. It's an up-and-to-the-right chart that's one of the great up-and-to-the-right charts in history. Same thing with hash rates, same thing with everything. The, people need to remember, this is a question of when Bitcoin will change from an option on the potential of adoption to having a reached escape velocity to be that digital store of value. And when you're looking at, at an asset that digital store of value means 20x where it is, I mean, that there's we're still nowhere near that level. I mean, let's just be honest. We're talking about technical levels that will be unrecognizable on a chart in the future if, in point of fact, it does achieve that. That's so Grayscale is opening up 14% the GBTC. I mean, but if there's anything that was um, wow. so obvious, <laughs> it was that trade. And now it's up 180% on the year. Um, but at least, you know, that one worked. It's, it's the underlying Bitcoin's another story. But that thing was 50% discount at the end of the year. That took, what did it do? It just took all the week longs out, crushed them. And also, it's what you mentioned earlier. It's a cash and carry trade. This is thing, futures, ETFs. Um, this is just squashing volatility in Bitcoin. We're going to bounce a little bit, but it's just going, it's the volatility of Bitcoin's heading towards that of gold. And right now, it's still three times. And it's doing it fast, partly because it's, it's a, it's a mature adult now. You can easily arbit. Not as easily as you can gold, but it's getting there fast. Well, people okay, need well, to understand right. that there's a very big difference. And, and just for your audience, one of the things that the implicit in that statement Mike made, which I disagree with violently, by the way, uh, <laughs> is that, that the ETF will allow uh, more shorting and being balanced. It's not. A spot yeah. ETF is different than a futures ETF. Yeah. It's Bitcoin held at Coinbase's custodian, which is easily trackable on chain. The biggest difference with gold ETF, and and by the way, if you look at the history of the gold ETF, it rather it, it was a that the eighty billion dollars that went into that over a not horribly long period of time, it was a few years, uh, did actually have a big impact on the gold price. I'll make two points. Point number one: no one has a freaking clue how much gold is really held in vaults. There are liens against, you know, Federal Reserve and government gold deposits. It is not the same thing. And it's uh, difficult whereas, to just, it's really difficult to audit, so. And you can't get, and you can't demand delivery. It's just, it's it's there, we kind of accept it, et cetera, but it's not the same. Bitcoin being so, on chain is gonna make it much, much harder to manufacture paper shorts as demand so, actually gets in. But Oh, we lost Dave. We're I, struggling I, today. Go ahead, Mike. I, I just had to take a break to send the text to some of the hot money people I knew who. I'm doing were the long, same thing. We're all like we're, scrambling we're, for information. <laughs> but who are long GBTC and just pointing out the cash and carry ARB and Bitcoin has been wonderful, um, particularly with futures coming on with GBTC, but it's all getting squashed. And I agree with Dave about ETFs, but it's just part of no longer is this going to be the kind of thing that can just go up many X's or down many X's. It's, it's ARB out. It's in the mainstream. Like I said, I 
Wayne really got the it's just a hedge fund guy who knew about GBTC. He's just been doing the complete and, Delta neutral R. Yeah, I can but tell like, you this but, right but now. Like, I'm at, really quick, James. I'm in the crypto yeah. town hall. We have a news group, and James Safert from Bloomberg just said it's not true. Oh boy! <laughs> it privately, <laughs> no. privately, privately. Well, he said, I, I mean, that's, that's not that's true. At least I mean, not that like, I can see. Will it happen? Yes. Does it happen now? Who knows? I mean, you know, it's like, but it, 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 it seems odd that they would approve BlackRock given their negotiating window with Grayscale. That, that's why the, the news seems odd to me. Well, but, someone said in the comments, BlackRock just got approved also, but I'm not, uh, yeah, I can't, can't vet let, that. Let, so we can't, we, can't, we can't spread that rumor. So Mike, let, let's talk through what you just said, because that's an important point, is that when Bitcoin does get the spot ETF, one, two, three of them, that will make it mainstream, yes. But it will also go to price discovery. It'll find that level. And then when there is enough volume trading in it at some point, and I don't know if that means that it's a, a trillion, two trillion, three trillion dollar asset, but once it gets to that spot, then I agree with you, then it then it then the volatility dampens, but it's got to get far, far, far more liquidity in it before that happens it's going to take a while and you know that because it, it's just the friction of, of entering and exiting a, a large trade you cannot have you know a, a large institution like a pension fund or an endowment that has bitcoin as a separate allocated asset without having enough capital in the asset for them to move in and out of it a one percent position on a billion dollar fund, it, you know, that, that, that's a little bit, but when you start talking about a hundred, you know, a hundred billion dollars, a trillion dollars of assets that need to find homes for that liquidity, it's, it's going to be, it's going to have to have a lot more, um, just a, a lot larger market value in my opinion. I mean, look, so it, that, that's, I, yeah, go no, you go, you go. Well, I, I don't I don't disagree with that, but I just want to point out facts. I was just published it on this morning. Bitcoin annual volatility is the lowest ever mm -hmm. um, on a standalone basis. Coiled. But versus well, it's kind of a stable coin right now, right? So, well, it's a coiled <laughs> spring. It was right. But, but versus the stock market. Yeah. But the key thing is uh, right, but it's also versus the stock market versus gold and most other other major assets. It's not the lowest ever because that's an indicative. Everything's been squashed in volatility. Everything's done the same thing this year. Went up this last down last year, up this year. It just everything stock market kept going up and crypto started tilting lower. Now we're getting this bounce. That's my point. Is I'm seeing indications that crypto say, okay, well we're going to have a recession. We're not, you know, we're a leading indicator. I mean, I, I, I'm going to make two points. We always talk about this. You, you look at volatility of Bitcoin, you know, the volatility of an option is different than the volatility of an underlying asset. Now, I've said a billion times on this show, okay, that's hyperbole. I've said hundreds of times on this show that Bitcoin trades like an option on its future adoption, that it's very, very immature, 13 years in, fine. But imagine gold 13 years into five, a 5,000 year run. I mean, it, it's okay, but that's a bit hyperbole. But the fact is, is the average human being on the planet doesn't think of Bitcoin as an asset. They think of it as a speculative thing where they might be able to make money. And, you know, the Bitcoiners that are hodling, which are 75% of all supply, uh, feel the opposite. And eventually that changes. You know, the thing about volatility is, and I've been pointing this out to people, the 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 everyone should be reminded of what happened to s p volatility stock market volatility which is much more mature from 2005 through uh 
early, early 2007 before Bear Stearns collapsed. It went from the 30s down to eight options market makers and firms that were in that business that didn't have that overspent based upon the early ones went died by the wayside. So if you just look at the options market making business at the end of 2006, it looked like the least healthy business. Nobody wanted to be in it. Now, I was at Citigroup at the time and, you know, on the second attempt managed to buy from Knight Securities, one of their second worst trade they ever made was they sold us uh, what was a company called Arbitrade, which was an options market maker. By 2008, the seats alone from that market maker were double, double the purchase price that we did. And options market makers in 2008 had their single most profitable year. In fact, it was so profitable as an industry, the options trading people made 10x. They actually made more in that year than they had in the previous 20 years. By a lot. It wasn't even close. I mean, so, it, by the so way, guys, I'm, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry to keep interrupting. I have to do the uh, breaking news thing, which we yeah. never do. James Saford is now saying, I believe this to be fake news. While this would be positive for the things we've been saying, I can't find anything that would confirm this at the moment, Bitcoin. So this is all coming from Cointelegraph, which for all we know in this world could have just been hacked. It could have <laughs> been, yeah. I mean, if you look in, and the market is trading, it's down below 29 Down again. below 29 now, right, of course. Right. I mean, it just shows you the magnitude of... You know, people will will jump on to use Michael's terms into hopium when these things happen, and the shorts will get squeezed. The fact is, is that the price pattern that will happen when it's approved, because at this point, James Safer, even he believes it's ninety five percent likely. So, you know, it will happen. And so, from a a positioning point of view, you have to understand. But the point that I was making about volatility is volatility begets volatility, and it, when you're looking at something like Bitcoin, it's going to be different. Right. You know, if this turns out to be fake, the whole rally, this whole jump God candle gets faded. And that's certainly what it looks like right now. Faded but, well below where it started, if you ask me. So, yeah, let's um, well, let's, we'll see. Let me expand on that a little bit. If I can show my screen. What Dave said was very profound. It was the key thing that got me yeah. extraordinarily bearish the stock market in 2008. It's a lesson I learned in, in the trading pits day one in options is options volatilities always mean reverting. This was a VIX, 100-week moving average. The lowest ever was 2007. I just started getting short everything. I sold everything and started getting short. It sucked for a while, and then we did this. Boom, that was kind of nice. Just had to wait it, out, wait it out, Michael Burry. This is what happened in 2018. Same thing happened again. I started getting really bearish. We had a little blip, and I don't think we've ever really had the resolution from the lowest volatility ever. Market's still going up, but that's a key thing to remember about volatility. But it's also, Dave, you brought back some memories of what happens in markets. Is That was a key lesson that some of us did very well during that period. Now it was just kind of hedging everything because volatility told you to. Now it's kind of moderate here. 21%. But when you mentioned like long-term capital management, I'll remember with clients, we were sitting there, it was the summer of 2000, 1998, and lo- noticing the Fed's done. They said they're going to tighten, but all these zero-dollar futures, the calls, way off calls a year out, were ticking higher. And we're like, why is that? Like, I don't know. So we'll just start buying some because they were not they were showing divergent strength when they should have. And then they all went up like 10x. It took a little while because some of them expired, but because of what uh, all that extra leverage from long-term capital management. But to me, this is this is um, what's happening now. So we have this little head fake above the uh, 100-week moving average in Bitcoin. Man, I hope that's not one of those, um, we used to call it the baby, is, baby yeah, seal I mean, trade, we whack-a-moles. 
Um, and if it is, that's going to just, that's what you need. Sometimes you got to hurt the most people, stop them all out, and then you take out support. So hopefully it's this real. Stinks. But if, if this is for real, this means the next trade is to take out the supports at, at, at 25. I agree. I think this, honestly, man, okay, here's Bitcoin dominance, by the way, which by, you know, yeah. if you wanted an idea of what would happen if a Bitcoin spot ETF is approved to all coins, Bitcoin dominance just went all the way up to over 52%. People sold their alts immediately into Bitcoin on this news. This is what you're seeing there when you look at that. You can look at any any altcoin versus Bitcoin got absolutely destroyed in the last 20 minutes, right? Now it's obviously fading as people realize that we're probably also come to fake news. We're all the way back down to 28,000, guys. I mean, this is the kind of candle that, like Mike said, that is the toppiest of topping candles you will ever see in your entire existence. I don't know where price is going next, but uh, this is just absolute jackass. I, mean, I, mean, I, I don't know if Cointelegraph was hacked. We're all out here tweeting like assholes. We, we, well, um, not great. <laughs> but timing's okay. impeccable. The key thing to remember about Bitcoin is, it, to me, uh, bar none, it's the most significant traded trading, global trade vehicle ever. 24-7, most liquidity. I mean, it's it's been horrible lately for people who want to trade it and make things move. But that's what it is. There's nothing. I, I mean, being from a futures environment where all my clients, all they just want is trade anything. There's nothing that's comparable. And it's right. what it's just doing. It's, it's ironic. It did it while we're speaking. I mean, we haven't had a spike this high. But, Look at oh, this. man. For, for now, Baljun is saying that it's on your on the Bloomberg terminal. From oh. Reuters via Benzinga. But that last week, there was some via Reuters through. I mean, he says he's looking for more confirmation. Second source. I don't know where this is all coming yeah. from, but this is now from Balchunas. Real yeah. fake. I have I no idea. I, I can't even begin to unpack this, but I can say that only in crypto could we literally have this much volatility, insanity, and question marks on something that should be so straightforward. Like, if this was any other industry, would we be debating fake news about an yeah, ETF right. approval that's now hitting a Bloomberg terminal? This is so stupid. It makes my brain hurt. But so to remember <laughs> that one thing, I, I think the key but, thing to remember about this is Bloomberg's defense, they, they did put out a, a headline I, I have on my uh, professional terminal here that says Bitcoin surges above 30,000 on ETF approval speculation. <laughs> yeah. Well, but let's, let's never forget there's so much in this space. It's one thing I've been, I, I, I think, adamant about is let's not underestimate the amount of people who can and will and have the ability to manipulate things for short-term profits, pump and dump and make a killing and then turn around and get out and say, thank you. I mean, I see in the pits now it's just, okay, people can do it electronically on a global basis. The milk futures in the pit back in the, in the day, there you go. when, when are they going to open? Like what, there were, there were larger bets on when it would open than, <laughs> there, than the actual trading of the milk futures. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm in shock right now, guys. I don't know. I got I mean, nothing I, left. I'm over here. I'm distracted. I'm counting on Dave to give me some hot takes. I'm trying to figure out for you guys if this is real and it's literally impossible. Well, look, yeah. Bla Eleanor Terrett just said on Twitter that, that BlackRock says, that as far as they know, it's not true yet. They're still under review. The, the fact is we know the SEC has just entered because the news on Friday, which could have easily caused this candle in and of itself and didn't. Uh, is that the SEC is now effectively in negotiation with Grayscale. Uh, Backlog has just confirmed this is false, according to a, a, I'm sorry to interrupt, Dave, something on and a, a Bloomberg IB. Yeah, well, application still in the yeah, same sorry. thing. Yeah, you know, from yeah, Fox. Yeah. So, so, look, at the end of the day, remember, the SEC is in negotiations with, uh, with, with Grayscale, and BlackRock is under review. The SEC does nothing fast. 
well, this SEC does a lot of things faster than past SECs, but still, the SEC does nothing fast. I, I, I was surprised. I still think the likelihood that BlackRock gets approved before Grayscale gets the ability to convert seems unlikely. I think they will probably get them at the same time, and it will probably be them and Kathy Wood and a few others, Fidelity, et cetera. Uh, and look, the interesting thing is, is we have shifted, Friday shifted from we're going to delay, delay, delay to, okay, uh, this is now going to happen in the next, it, it, we're measuring it in, in days, weeks, or months. We're not measuring it in years anymore. That could have easily caused a God candle from, but the fact is the money takes months from the time it gets approved before the money actually starts getting into the market. So the real question is, are people front running? And I keep saying this, you know, I, I, my, I, I always mention my brother as a financial advisor. He and thousands, tens of thousands of his brethren across the United States and, and far-flung territories have customers asking them about investing in Bitcoin and can't do it. And can't do it until this is approved. But once it's approved, it's not like they turn on a magic switch and the right. products get listed. It takes time. Whereas the first thing that will happen is the grayscale, grayscale ARB will disappear. And what does that mean? That means that people need to uh, uh, buy back Bitcoin and sell there and, and convert. Or, you know, the, the people who did it for a trade, if people just bought there, there's certainly some percentage of grayscale buyers that didn't buy it hedged, that bought it unhedged. So in the short term, that has probably some supply and it'll be equated traders and speculators buying that supply. So the yeah. futures, and I know people have been shorting futures and some of the options in Bitto. Um, at least some of those should be um, see some covering. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, mean, I just saw the basically the funniest tweet, uh, one of the better tweets, by the way, I have to share that came through as a comment to one of my tweets, which is someone saying, "As a Bitcoiner, I'm waiting for six confirmations before I believe this." It's <laughs> a really good tweet. Yeah, that's and, and and you know what? That's uh, that that is true. I mean, look at, at the end of the day, these are every single one of these rumors. Fade, you know, it, it get speculative bounces fade into the bounce. When it's real, it will be a speculative bounce, and then from to wherever it's going to be, it will fade. Probably be more of a normal fifty percent correction. So, because in, in in markets, what you know, when we do this, I mean, Mike and I have talked about this for years. Is there's a difference? What we've seen over the this is now the third time we've seen a candle, like a significant candle that gets immediately faded. Uh, that doesn't happen when there's real news. When there's real news, you see a, a price, what James calls price discovery, and then it always goes too far. And then we're back to where back we started, down. by the way. It's all yeah, the way back down to 28, literally. Right, of course. I mean, yeah. you know, 27.9. Yeah, you know, look, the people who, anyone who bought expecting to be a long-term holder is going to sell. And the people who bought speculative, it's going to be there. But just keep in mind, if you're shorting from this level, you're going to get you're going to end up getting wrecked when the news does come out. And people understand that. And so you get all these sorts of cross currents going. The difference between a fade, a rumor or a fade, something that isn't real and a fade, something that's actually happening is at least 50 percent of that candle. And, you know, in most trades, you, you look for a 50 percent retracement of a big move. But these moves are bullshit moves. Right. And they tend to hollow out. So Mike is saying, well, you know, when it hollows out, it tends to go lower. Uh, technically, yeah, there's good reason to believe that. Because remember, the buying support for Bitcoin are patient long-term people who are not quick twitch. It's You know, when you talk about athletes, you say, you know, fast switch athletes and whatever. I mean, the speculators just boom and boom. And people who are long-term holders are much more patient. And so, yeah, it does tend to correct below that level. But we'll see what happens.
I'm so pissed off. I'm so pissed off. We, it's just like, it, it's a never ending clown show in this industry. Imagine that you're now sitting at any major institution and have been looking at Bitcoin and you see this crap happening, flashing across your Bloomberg terminal and price going up $2,000 and back down. And you, you know, you're thinking reactive fake news. It's just so yeah. embarrassing. You're, it you're, never you're stops. Thinking, yeah. You're just thinking that it's it's a bunch of um, you know uh, amateurs. It's amateur hour. It is because if you're sitting at a if you're sitting at a hedge fund, you know um, you're looking at this room. You're trying to you're you're trying to confirm it, and all you're doing is you're selling on the way up until you in, until you figure out that okay that yeah. it, it's not true. Now I'm going to short it, and it comes back in. You but know? I, I want to be very clear about one thing. At the end of the day, if people want to understand what is needed in this market is there anybody on this call certainly all four of you are going to agree with this do we think that if you did this or any news like this in any regulated asset market around the world that the perpetrators so let's say coin telegraph was hacked or let's say that it could be proven that's that people bought bitcoin futures leaked this news <clears throat> knew it faded it faded it uh and made a pile of money that's called market manipulation. And I yeah. think pretty much everybody in the market thinks people who do that should go to prison, certainly have their ill-gotten gains be disgorged. And I would say the regulators in the UK, the regulators in Europe, the regulators in the United States would generally mm -hmm. say that a, a capital market that features that sort of regulator cop on the beat would be a good thing. You know, the fact is our SEC, by abdicating its responsibility to actually manipulate this and do anything they they can do nothing the cftc if they find the people will do something because it, it affected bitcoin futures which is a regulated product mm -hmm. but the question is is did, is there global cooperation to do that finding out how these sorts of things happen and punishing the people that do it is really what's necessary and in a digital world it gets increasingly tougher to do and that doesn't help same, us today <laughs> No, that's true. I understand that. But but the point is, is that for people who want to understand why, you know, dinosaurs like me being despite wearing my Bitcoin ring and being a bit being and believing that it will be at a much higher price in, in a number of years, there is a reason for regulation because these sorts of things are damaging to the confidence of people in the industry, That which is why, by the way, it generally fades below the level that it started. Yeah, can you imagine oh. being a can you imagine being at Calpers or Texas Teachers and having a position in Bitcoin, seeing yeah. this happen and saying, "Wait, what? What yeah. is the news? And is it who? Where has this been confirmed? Like what? Like cause well, I mean, Benzing, Reuters via Benzinga via Bloomberg via no, Coin Telegraph's fake tweet with no source. I, no. I, I well, I, I take the other side of that one. If I was at Calpers or Texas Teachers. And, uh, you know, and I'm deciding, okay, you know, I'm gradually accumulating. I don't know if either of them are, but if I were one of the, the funds that are accumulating Bitcoin have been doing so every time it goes below 27 and I see this, I'm like, you know what, maybe I should be a little bit more aggressive and try to establish my position because this sort of news will is inevitable at this point and you kind of get an idea of what it could mean. Yeah. And so from yeah. a price discovery point of view, I think it is actually positive that the, the, the market that just there's just no supply if and when this news gets there it is actually approved that's right, the but difference to, but to your to your earlier point of you know there it needs regulation around if you had let's say that you had the same sort of uh headline that came out that said that the bank of japan defaults on a bond you know like is it going to default on a bond and 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 
that that I mean, the, the, the shock that would actually run through the market, if that were true, would be massive. And there would be there would be some uh, pretty big uh, repercussions for that. That's you right. Know, and we've seen we've seen n- nothing that big. But, you know, we've seen, you know, reports of, of fake geopolitical news, fake sure. you know, all sorts of stuff. Sure. And when those happen, it does cause moves. It's just that people, you know, it's like that's right. But in, in, a, in a specific asset or in a specific security, it, 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 you know, there would be massive. Somebody would be going to either prison or there would, you know, there would be some there yeah. would be some problems for that. You know, insider. I mean, they. There should be manipulation. It, 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 it's serious. And but like you said, like we've all been saying, it's not taken seriously here yet because, you know, it, it, it's it's still seen as amateur hour. I kind of right doing ourselves any favors. We, we're the, the this industry are the kings of self-inflicted wounds. I mean, nobody can sit there and just play Rochambeau with themselves uh, like this industry. Just a swift kick back and forth in the nuts for fun. I I just say, I'm sorry. This just pisses me off. And yes, I understand that this happens in other markets and everywhere else. But this entire market clearly is, as you can see from the price action, is waiting or hinging upon this news and to see it uh, happen in this manner. Well, you hear it. Doesn't the SEC go, see, see, now doesn't Gary go, I'm not approving this. What if what if it what if it is true and and at at, at seven o'clock my time at ten o'clock they they release yes. SEC released a statement that says yeah. yes but it was you know it was Front released man. before the SEC officially said it like that's also I mean yeah. either way it's not good right so. so the- there's a lot of reasons I think Gary Gensler would take these ignore, exorbitant risks of going down in history like Aaron Burke, because he knows, we all know, there is massive illegal um, speculation and, and, and um, tax things going on in this space. I mean, it's just um, front running. It's just guaranteed because they couldn't get caught. I mean, I've just seen it when it was illegal, but because you couldn't get caught, but when you can't get caught and eventually you do, and I, we just know that. And we've seen it all. We've seen the pumps and dumps of things like Dogecoin and things, but that what's happening to me, to me. And now today is now I'm worried about, I just was watching the Bloomberg IB chat and the guy says, yeah, cool. I had my hanging offer if, at 30,000 sold. I'm like, Oh, perfect. I mean, that's one lesson you learn with clients. Always, if you're long or short and you got targets, always leave an offer in or a bid. And I'm afraid now that this, if this, say if it's kind of trickles down in the day, that's a pretty significant peak that might last a while. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's a fair assessment. I just yeah. think Gary's laughing right now. Uh, remember when I said this was a manipulated asset class that I didn't want to prove a bit? But he has some valid points. I mean, that this is an example of it. Well, uh, I mean, yes and no. I mean, it, this is a global market, and the fact that that it's actually embarrassing for him. It is. Hmm. It is. It is at this point virtually inevitable. We understand it. We see what's been going on. And the fact that news about what he's doing is so important to the market. The SEC is, is when they're doing their job right, the SEC should never be in the news and should not affect asset prices. It is, in fact, part of their charter. So the fact that the SEC is impacting asset prices so much is actually a proof of failure of the SEC to conduct their mission. Full stop. There is no way anyone at the SEC in that building, and, and there are many hardworking, good people in that building that you know, look, I know personally, there is no way anybody is happy that them being in the news is in dramatically impacting markets because their literal mandate 
is not to impact markets, but to root out bad guys and protect investors from this. And yet they are the ones who are causing this. So no, he's not laughing, or if he is, he's psycho, psychotic. I doubt seriously he's laughing. I think he's pissed off because he knows that his job is not to be causing markets to go up and down. And yet the fact is, is news about him is doing that, which is more proof of why he needs to accelerate this and get it done. So the SEC could go back to looking for bad guys and go back to providing a methodology for people to invest safely, as opposed to being the generator of the news, which is the opposite of what they're supposed to do. Yeah, he needs to get back out ahead of it. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Well, in a million years, if you had said to me we would have a uh, title that was about volatility and then we'd have a live stream that went from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And in that time, Bitcoin would go to $30,000, but Clove would be at the exact same price as when we started. I would have taken that bet for probably a billion Ultra dollars. volatility. And, I mean, yeah, it, is, it was oh. certainly to use geek terms. It was certainly more than a six standard deviation event likelihood that, that it would not happen. Yeah, I true. mean, we should but have all did. bought lottery. What's I, I don't know if anybody finally won the like one point four billion dollar Powerball, but it seems like <laughs> we all should have bought tickets right before this because uh, the, the same likelihood that we would be back at the same price, literally trading at twenty eight thousand. I think we started at like twenty seven nine forty, something like that when we started the day. All right, well, uh, I got a little emotional and excited there. It doesn't happen often, but it was all happening in real time. You guys got to witness my full roller coaster that my wife gets to see and nobody on camera does. So welcome to my uh, personal life, my, my off-camera personality. Guys, that was fun to unpack with you. I can't believe I'm just in shock. And now I have to go talk about it on Crypto Town Hall and apologize for all my uh, excited tweets about the uh, Bitcoin spot ETF approval. <laughs> Guys, thank you. Thank Macro you. Monday, Thanks, always Dave. an adventure. This one was special, I have to say. <laughs> so, Thanks, Scott. Thank you, Dave. I'll, I'll enjoy the rest of your day in. and your trip. Mike, James, thank Be you. Next car. week, maybe we'll talk about Macro. <laughs> 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 All right, guys, thank you very much. Bye. Yeah. Ciao.